Hey, you can go ahead and turn in or on your Bibles, if you use your phone, uh, to John chapter 11. We're really going to hang out in verses 38 through 44 today. If you grew up in church, it is going to be a familiar story for you. Uh, it's the story of Lazarus rising from the dead. Uh, but I've got some things that really, over the past probably year of my life, as I've leaned into faith and what, how do I live that out and impact others, that I want to bring to the forefront to you, as I've shared it with our church, and, and I, want, I want to share it with you today. Um, and before I get into that, one of the things that I've learned throughout my life, I'm 40 years old, I turned 40 in July, and um, man, one of the things in my 40 years of existence, my short 40 years, right? I know I look like 20, but it's okay. No, I'm just kidding. Y'all didn't, okay, that's the first time y'all have laughed the whole service, and it was for that. I'm offended now. No, I'm kidding. Um, and, and one of the things that I've learned is that there is a mission that all of us are on. The local church has a mission. Here's what I know about you. I, I, know, I know something about you. I know that you have a purpose in this life. No matter where you are, I know you have a purpose. I, I learned that at 23 years old, I learned that the hard way. I was kind of going through life for a while with my faith and kind of just like coasting. I was in ministry. I was in youth ministry and kids ministry for 10 years before we planted the church. And at 23 years old, a single man coming out of some hurt moments of the church and youth ministry. And uh, I had turned away from faith and walked away from God. In fact, I told God, I said, I said, if this is what your kingdom's about, I want nothing to do with it. Because my faith in Christ was built on people, not on God. And what I didn't realize in that was that people are going to fail us. I'm going to fail you. You're going to fail me. Like, it's just going to happen, right? It's just life. And, and what I, I wasn't mature enough in my faith to go, but God's, God remains constant. God remains the same. I need to give people grace and let God give me grace, right? And so I'm in this, and at 23 years old, I'm in my party phase. I'm doing some really dumb things, and I go in. They find a heart condition in my life, and, 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 and they said, hey, uh, we need to do a surgery. It's going to be a quick surgery, nothing, nothing major, nothing crazy, about six hours, or, or about two hours, sorry, about two hours, and we're, we're going to be done. And uh, the surgery ended up about six and a half hours. Uh, long. That's where the six came from because I know you're willing. How do you go from six to two? Um, about six and a half hours. And uh, I come out of that surgery and, um, and, and I see burn marks on my chest. And, and I have the doctor looks at me and he says, uh, he's telling my mom and he's telling me and my dad that uh, they had to shock me three separate times in, in that surgery just to get me back. Now, I'm not a smart man. But I'm smart enough to know that if they got to shock you, that means you're right there on the edge, man. Like, you, you're about to go. And they had to do it three separate times. And so I'm, I'm, I'm in the recovery room at that moment, and they, they told me that. And they said, they said, you actually need another surgery. you gotta, you got you to gotta have another surgery. We're going to send you to the best heart surgeon that we know in Columbia. And uh, I said, okay. And I remember praying this prayer. Now, remember, I, I, I got saved at 16 years old. And uh, had been in ministry since 18, and, I, and then I walked away. And I prayed this prayer. I said, God, I don't want to go to hell. I almost died today. I don't want to go to hell. So, God, if you could keep me out of hell, that'd be great. Uh, but I also don't want to do ministry. I don't, I don't want to preach. I don't want to lead. I just want to, like, make a lot of money, buy a boat, a big house, and a nice truck, and, like, have a family, right, and not go to hell. That's the most important thing, God. And so I prayed that prayer, and a week later I go into surgery again, and that was a six-hour surgery at that time. 
And I come out of that surgery, and as I'm coming out of anesthesia, I don't remember a lot, but one of the things I remember was looking over, and my mom's crying. My dad's standing there, kind of stone-faced, looking at the doctor. And the doctor is telling them that they, he had my heart hooked up to a computer for 10 minutes and keeping it beating during the surgery that time. That's twice in one week. That's, whew, it's not a good feeling. And he goes, here's what he says. He realizes I'm awake, and once I kind of come to a little bit, he gives me an update and with my, fa- my parents there and my family there. And he says, 95% of the time, I would send people home. He says, but there's something in me that just feels like I need to keep you overnight, so I'm going to do that. And I was like, okay, whatever, that's fine. Free hospital food, who would turn that down, right? So uh, we go in, and um, that night, I'm glad he did, because that night my resting heart rate drops from 70s, 60s and 70s, down to in the 30s. Felt like an elephant uh, was standing on my chest. I was sick off this side of the bed. They were pumping my arm full of medicine to raise my heart rate back up out in, in this arm. It was just a horrible moment. I spent the next two days in ICU fighting for what I knew of my life at that time. They had me stable, but um, they come in and they tell me that I've got to have a pacemaker implanted in my heart to create a sustained heart rate or else I'm not going to make it. And the doctor goes, you have a choice. You can have a pacemaker or not. And I'm like, Is that, do I really have a choice? So like, let's be real, doc. And I remember laying in ICU and I prayed this prayer. I said, okay, God, I don't want to go to hell, but I'll do whatever you want. You clearly have me here for a purpose. You clearly have me here for a reason. Like there's, there's a reason that there's been two, three times in the past week where the enemy could have taken my life or I could have taken, anything could have happened. But God, you gave me, you gave me a second and third chance. You gave me a reason to be about this thing. And so I began to pray. And, and as I did, I got the, you know, over the next several months, I had a pacemaker implanted. Over the next several years, that was 17 years ago at this point. And uh, over the next several years, I've had so many other surgeries. I've had about 12 to 15 different surgeries uh, on my life with, with heart. I've, I've avoided open heart to this point, but I've had like the next tier under open heart once. And it's just been tough recoveries. And I still have the pacemaker. I still have those moments, and I still have those things. In fact, uh, my wife and I have been married 15 years, and my oldest son is 12, and both of them have had lived through the surgery where I went in to have a, an easy procedure done, and the doctor calls it off after five minutes and comes out and looks at my wife and says, if I didn't cancel it and I went through with the surgery the way that we were going to do it, he would have bled out on the operating table and he would not be here with us third time in just a few years where I've I've dodged death. And here's what I've come to the realization of is I've given my life to Christ. And and, and not just like, God, I don't want to go to hell, but I mean given my life to the sense that whatever you call me to do, I'll do. Whatever you ask me to do, I'll do. Wherever you ask me to go, I'll go. God, if you honor me and trust me enough to be a part of something you're doing in the world, then I'll give it all I got. And that's what it means to submit your life. And since I've been living that life and since I've been a part of that, here's what I've learned, that every person on the planet, every person sitting in the chairs today, every person watching online today or later in the week, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've been a part of in your life, I want you to know you have a purpose that is put there from God, by God, to be used with God, to make a difference in the community that you're called to be a part of. All of us have that opportunity. And there's really, all of us have two purposes in our life. Every person has two purposes. The first one is an individual purpose. 
It's your talent. It's your gifting. It's your ability. It's what are you good at, right? You just had an amazing worship service led by some incredibly talented individuals up here. Uh, Robert and, and his team leading the songs and singing and playing the drums and the bass. And I've, I've gotten to talk with them and know them today. Like I'm like, man, not only are they talented, but they're humble and they're, they're just there, right? They're good like, your worship team is top-notch. I just want you to know that. Like, they're great. Yeah, come on. Give it up for those guys today. And here's, 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 what I, here's what I know. If I led you in worship today, there's nothing joyful about that. I am not gifted to play a, a, an instrument. I am not gifted to sing. In fact, this is no exaggeration. My worship team, literally, my worship pastor looks at me. His name is Chris. He'll look at me, and he'll go, Pastor, do not lead the clapping. And I'm like, why? And he's like, because you get us off beat every single time, right? Not just then. And he's like, we're good because we got click. He goes, everybody out there has no idea how to clap on beat because you start them off. I'm like, yes, sir. Gotcha. I do what I want. Anyway, no, I'm just kidding. Yes, sir. I gotcha. And the reality is that's not my gift. But I do have a leadership gift, and what I, I do have a preaching gift, and I do have these other gifts. You have an administrative gift. Some of you have administrative gifts. Some of you have a, a, an, a, an ability to just talk to anybody. Some of you have the gift of, of, of rallying people, the gift of faith, the gift of prayer. If you want to know what some of those are, you can go read Ephesians and Romans and see what that is, right? We all have individual gifts that we're ability, and abilities within us that God's placed there. And let me tell you something that was not on accident. That was on purpose because your purpose was in mind when he gifted you for it. And the other gift that you have is also called the corporate gift. I call it the corporate gift. It's the gift or the mission of the local church, the kingdom of God through the local church. And hear me today. It does not matter what you carried in here today. If you are plugged in and planted and rooted into a local church, into this local church, there is a mission that God has commissioned us to be on. And it's what connects all of the local churches in this area and all over the nation and the world that believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We all have a local, uh, a, a local church mission. It's found in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And he says, go into all the world, creating disciples, making disciples, teaching them to obey all that I command, or, or, or baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I command. And then he says this, and lo, I will be with you even until the end of the age. He goes, here's what Jesus is saying in those verses. He says, if you will partner with me in the mission of the world to increase the reach of the love of Jesus in the kingdom of God in the world, I will be with you in the mission. You don't have to do it by yourself. You don't have to figure it out by yourself. I'm with you in that because it is the goal of the local church. And no matter what we face, no matter what we go through, no matter what happens in life, no matter where you are individually, the bride of Christ, the church, is on a mission. Let me tell you about a scientific thing that we're going to read, Luke chapter 11. There's something, have you ever, have you ever uh, gotten in your car, okay, to go somewhere? Let's say from work to home or home to work, or maybe you just go to Starbucks a lot, right, or Target a lot or whatever, um, but you, you're, you're in there and maybe you're on the phone or you're thinking about something and you end up in the driveway or the parking lot and you park your car and you go, how did I get here? Anybody with me? Come on. Y'all acted real holy today. 
Y'all like, no, I don't have that problem. I have that problem. I'll get in the parking, in the driveway, and I'm like, I don't remember the stoplight. I don't remember the stop sign. I don't remember, I don't think there's any cars with, with smoke coming out the hood on the side of the road, like from my, right? You know what I'm saying? And, and that's actually a scientific thing called the default mode network. And I want to put it to you in layman's terms. That is actually autopilot in your, in your mind. It is a scientific brain activity called the default mode network. And here's what it does. The default mode network or the, or the autopilot mode for your brain actually allows you to accomplish things that you have consistently done over time without consciously thinking about them. So if you've driven home or driven the same path time and time and time again, the reason you can show up to the destination safe in one piece and okay is because autopilot mode kicked in. And here's what... Here's what I've kind of gotten to a place of where I'm not concerned, but I don't want us to get to a place of is spiritual autopilot. Is I know I'm supposed to do this and I know I'm supposed to respond this way and act this way and do these things when this happens in the church and this happens in the service and this is said and that is said. And the reality is, is we, because we can do things without consciously thinking about the love of God. But hear me. Whenever I put the love of God at the forefront of my mind and in a conscious way, I am not just going through the actions of something, but there is a passion and a desire that rises up on the inside of me because I know the sinful man that I am. I know the sinful part of humanity that we're all a part of, and now I get to go, God, you love me in that? God, you're a part of that in me, and here's what I want you to know. No matter where you are or who you are in life, God loves you right where you're at today, but he loves you way too much to leave you there way too much to leave you there. He doesn't want us to stay in the mess and the muck of our life. He'll meet us there, but then he'll take us by the hand and lo, I will be with you even to till the end of the age. He takes our hand and he goes, if you'll participate in the mission of the kingdom, I will walk with you and I will never forsake you and I will never leave you and we're gonna walk this thing out together. And that, my friends, is what we get to be a part of when we surrender our life to Christ is the God of the universe wanting to partner with us to be a part of the mission of the kingdom of God. And let me tell you this before I read the scripture. The reality is it doesn't even matter what you carried in here today. You could be carrying something so heavy that nobody knows anything about. Or you could be carrying celebrations or destruction. I don't know, but here's what I want you to know. God still wants to partner with you to do something greater than what we could do by ourselves. And that is hope for me. That is passion for me. Because I'm like, I ain't that good, God. And God goes, I know, but I am. But I am. I get to be a part of this. And I think the way that we can participate and engage in the mission of the church is, we, is illustrated in Luke chapter, or John, excuse me, John chapter 11, verses 38 through 44. I'd love to read the story to you and with you, and then we're going to break down three quick thoughts on it, and then we're going to go change the world uh, as we live this week. Let's read it together. It says this. So Jesus, again, uh, uh, hang on, I need to give you some backstory. Uh, there's a man named Lazarus that's a friend of Jesus and Martha and their crew, and he's dead. His name is Lazarus, and he's been put in a grave, and now they're believing Jesus to come and, and, and resurrect Lazarus from the dead. So here we go. So Jesus, again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now, it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. And Jesus said, remove the stone. 
And Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. Can I, can I stop right there for a minute? I got, I got enough Pentecostal in me. I like to stop in the middle of Scripture and like go. I, I think it's interesting. She goes, hey, hey, Jesus, I'm asking you to raise him for the dead, but it's going to stink. Can I tell you something? Some of you are asking Jesus to raise some dreams, some hopes, some goals, some relationships, some marriages, some, some something, some hope, some, some, some something in your life from the dead. And you just need to know that when he does, there's going to be a period where it's going to stink. There's going to be a period where there's a stench because you're going to have to rectify some things from your past. You're going to have to fix some things in your present and you're going to have to get ready for some things in your future. And I just need you to know it may stink for a season, but when Jesus touches it, the stink is worth it. It's okay to go through it. Come on, somebody. Are you with me today? And he says, he has been dead for four days. Verse 40, I'm going to amen myself back here. Verse 40 says, Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? In verse 41, so they removed the stone. And then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I, I love this prayer from Jesus. <laughs> Listen to it. He goes, I knew that you always hear me, God. But because of the people standing around, I said that. So that they may believe that you sent me. I love that Jesus goes, hey, God, I already knew what you could do. But I needed to verbalize what you could do because there's people around me that don't quite understand what you can do. Hear me, your faith will affect the faith of others. What you speak and believe will affect the faith of others. It will affect the faith of your kids, of your spouse, of your coworkers, of your small group, of all of the people that you do life with. And sometimes we need to speak what we may already know simply so it raises the faith of someone else. And he goes, I, I, I already know this, God, but I'm saying this because they don't. Verse 43, and when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And the man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. If you're taking notes today, and, and I, I highly encourage to always take notes, you can title the message, unbind them, unbind him, unbind him. You can, you can title it that. I'm going to give you three quick thoughts of how to stay connected to the mission of the local church of the kingdom of God. Number one is found in verses 38 through the first part of 41, where they stand up and they're coming to Jesus. And, and Jesus looks in verse 39 and he says, remove the soul. And he's talking to Martha and the crew. And here's what I want us to remember. Point one is we need to meet Jesus there. We need to meet Jesus there. If I am a betting man, I would bet that many of us in the room today have spent hours and a lot of time praying for things. Praying for things in our own lives, right? Praying for things in other people's lives. Praying for your small group leader. Praying for your pastor. Praying for your leaders in the church. Praying for Robert and Brandon. Praying for people that you do life with. Praying for your coworkers, right? Praying for your kids. Praying for your spouse. Wherever you are in life, you've prayed for things. Can I encourage you to not just pray for things, but to show up to see the miracle when it happens? To walk through life with them, to walk through life in the moment of the deadness, in the moment, because I believe that Christianity is not a hands-off faith, but a hands-on faith. I believe that Christianity should cause us to get our hands a little dirty. And I love how they're going to Jesus and they're like, hey, Jesus, we need you to raise Lazarus from the dead. We need you to do something that we can't do, Jesus. But they don't just sit in their recliner and watch the SEC championship. 
which was a great game, by the way. And both teams deserve to be in the playoff. Let's just get that out. Yeah, I got one person that's like, yeah, I'm with you. Right? Uh, I watched it, great game. But they don't just pray about it and then sit back in their own little world, do they? It says that he looks at them and says, roll the stone away, which means that they showed up to the place where there seemed to be death just to see Jesus do something miraculous. My pastor says it like this. In order to see God do the miraculous, you need to be willing to do the ridiculous. They showed up. I want to encourage you, keep believing. Keep praying. Keep, Keep interceding on behalf of what you know God can do. But can I encourage you, walk through life with them. Show up to the tomb for them. Show up in life in the middle. They need, we all need somebody that when we're battling things in our life, we need somebody to come along life and just go, I got you. I'm with you. It seems dark, but I'm here. I know you need somebody to just uplift you and I'll walk with you through that. We need to meet Jesus there. Sometimes we just need people to show up with us. Sometimes people just need somebody to bring Jesus to them. To go out. I, I, I know right now you're kind of struggling, but let me show you Jesus through the way that I'm speaking to you, the way that I'm praying to you, the way that I'm loving you in the moment. Let's bring Jesus to them. And then we believe for them. I don't know about you, but I know that there's moments in my life where I've needed people to believe things for me that I just wasn't able to believe at that season of my life. Like, I knew that God could do anything, but I just couldn't believe that he would bring me out of some of that stuff. I remember whenever I found out that I was battling anxiety and acute depression several years ago, and I was going through a hard time in my life and going through those moments, and, 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 and I didn't know how to handle it. God, that you would use me. When I doubt everything that you could use me for, like, God, you would use me? And I just needed people. And I had a brother in my life, like not a blood brother, but a spiritual brother, you know, in Oklahoma, who would call me and go, no, God's got great things for you. Don't you give up. Don't you quit. You can, he believed for me when it was hard for me to believe for me. And sometimes we just need somebody to go, I got you, man. You're going to make it. You're going to get through this thing. I'm gonna, wouldn't it be a shame that we pray for God to do something miraculous in our lives and in other people's lives, but we weren't around to see it happen. Man, that we would be so faithful of followers of Jesus that not only do we believe that he can do it, but we'll be there when he does. And we'll walk through the hard times and the difficulties. I, I say it like this to our church a lot, and I said it to our, uh, the team members that so faithfully serve here today. We do what only we can do so that he can do what only he can do. We will set the atmosphere because we can't do anything other than point people to Jesus, which leads me to point number two. It's found in verses 41 through 44 as you read the story and as they look, and it says that before he calls Lazarus forth, that Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and prayed a prayer. Here's what I want us all to remember in this. As we engage in the mission of the local church through the, of the kingdom of God through the local church, it's this. Only Jesus can change lives. I want to set some people free in the room today. You cannot change somebody's life. You are not their savior. And sometimes we can get this savior mentality that makes it think that I can come along and I can change everything. And no one is immune from it. In fact, I deal with it myself. Sometimes I have to sit back and God has to go, why are you involved in that? You are not the savior. Like, just point them to me. 
And there's a freedom that comes about in my life whenever I realize I can't change anybody's life. I can help somebody come up with new structures, new systems, new, new, new disciplines, new routines. Like if you want to get in shape, I can, I can tell you some gym stuff, right? Like the little bit that I actually know. Like I can help you with those. I can hold you accountable to have you done this and have you done that. I can do all that, but I can't change your life. You know why? I'm not your savior. And sometimes we can get in the moment to where we go, you know, just let me help you. And at best, as sinful creatures, as sinful beings, at best, the most we can do is point them to the one that can change their life. The most we can do is go, you know what, I can't change your life, but I know the one that can. And his name is Jesus. I love that even the Son of God looked up and he says, God, I need you to do this through me. Even the Son of God knew that without the power of God, he couldn't accomplish everything that God had asked him to accomplish. And some of our frustration on the earth is that we're trying to do things that God's asking us to do without the power of God. And can I encourage you? Stop trying to be the Savior and let the Savior in. Let the power of the Holy Spirit do something. Let the power of God change something. Let the power of God bring to life the abilities and the talents on the inside of you and use them for good. Use them for unity. Use them for reaching and connecting people to the heart of the Father. Only Jesus changes lives. You don't have to be the Savior, but we get to be the ambassador. We get to be the ones that speak and live on behalf of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You don't have to be the Savior, but you get to be his ambassador. I get to look at people and go, yeah, he's pulled me out of so much he can pull you out to. He's the one that loves you. Point number two, only Jesus changes lives. And then I want to read the last part of verse 44. It's after Lazarus comes forth and it says this. This is very interesting to me. It says, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped with, around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Last point of being engaged in the mission of the kingdom through the local church is this. You and I have to unwrap them. Isn't it interesting that the Son of God who just called a dead man out of the grave, looked at everybody that was his support system and said, you unwrap them. You take the grave clothes off of them. In other words, you're the ones that are going to do life with him. And so I want you to be a part of freeing him. And here's what I believe, just a thought. I believe there's a difference in deliverance and freedom. I think you can be delivered and still not live in freedom. Lazarus experienced deliverance when he stood at the mouth of the cave and he came back out of the grips of death. But he had not experienced freedom until somebody was willing to get him out of a straight up posture of the things that bound him from living his life. And some of us in the room, we know people that God has delivered, but they're still bound by addiction. They're still bound by the doubt of self-confidence that God could use them. They're still bound by anxiety. They're still bound by depression. They're still bound by hurt from 10, 15 years ago. They're still bound. Maybe you're in the room and those fit you. And here's what I want you to know. That through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, you've been delivered from the, uh, from the grips of sin. 
But you will not experience total freedom until you allow what grips you to be taken off of you. And for you and I that are walking it out in freedom, and we're walking out the relationship with Christ, and we're engaged in the mission of the local church, we can unwrap others one hug at a time, one one word of encouragement at a time, one prayer at a time, one group at a time, one Sunday at a time, one high five at a time, one worshipful moment at a time, one phone call at a time. Because I don't know about you, but there's moments and there's been times and I know there will continue to be times as long as I'm in this sinful world to where I need some people that go, let me grab the dirty parts of your life and begin to unwrap them off of you because there's more in you than you realize. And God loves you right where you are, but too much to leave you there. And I want you to know that if you walked in here today and there's still a binding around you and there's still things that grip you, God does not intend to leave you in that. And the beauty of being here today is there are people in the room that would love to help unbind you. And there's a God that met you here that wants to love you in the midst of your sin and your mess just like he does all of us. But he refuses to go, oh, that's just the life that you're going to live. And he wants to take us on a journey to where there's purpose and there's grace and there's freedom and there's deliverance in your life. And here's why I know that I know that as we walk this out with God and with the glory and the forgiveness of Jesus, here's what I know. Free people, free people. Free people, free people. And when I came to a place in my life to where I began to realize that we all have purpose, but it doesn't mean we all have perfection. It just means we all have grace and we all have a purpose in this world. Here's what I came to realize. I will sell my life out for the rest of my life as long as I have breath in my lungs and blood in my veins. I will do everything I can to walk this earth and let everybody know you have a purpose as messed up as you may seem right now. There is purpose and there is grace in your life. And God is for you. And God loves you, and so does the body of Christ. And here's what I want to do today. Because maybe you're you're gonna be like someone, like like some people in the first service today. And you're gonna go, you know what? The first thing I need to do is just accept the forgiveness of Jesus in my life. I need to surrender my life. I need to ask for forgiveness and I need to give him everything. And I just need to go, you know what? From this point forward, I'm walking with you. I'm not gonna get it right all the time, but I'm gonna walk with you because I'm tired of trying to get it right without you. And here's what it means. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer in just a moment if you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus in salvation and accept the forgiveness of our Savior. And I'm gonna lead you in a prayer, but I want you to hear me very loud and clear. The prayer does not save you. The Bible says that if I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that he is Lord, then I too shall be saved. And the prayer is the outward expression of the belief that is inside of me, that I give you everything. And I believe that as we pray that and we surrender our lives, we now enter into an eternal relationship with God our Father in a journey of becoming everything that he intended us to be. And I wanna pray that with you. And then, and then we're gonna worship together for one more song. And we're gonna go out and we're gonna live a faith that changes lives, including ours. If you would, just bow your heads with me in this moment. Let's pray together. And if you're ready to go, hey, I just want to surrender my life and I want to give him all that I have today. Maybe you're online and you want to do that. Or maybe you're in the room and you want to do that. I just want you right where you are to pray this prayer with me today. 
Dear Jesus, I give you my life, all of it. I ask that you forgive my past, that you forgive my present, and that you redeem my future. I want to walk in relationship with you, God. And I know that it is only by the sacrifice of Jesus that I can do that. So I accept that today. I thank you, God, that you made that sacrifice possible so that I could walk in eternal relationship with you for the rest of my life. Jesus, you promised to never leave nor forsake. You gave the Holy Spirit to walk with me and help me. And I pray that from this day forward that I would do that. Walk with me. Help me as I walk with you. Thank you, God, for making room for me in the family of God. Now, as we continue to pray all across this room and and, and, and eyes are continued to be closed and we're just spending time in prayer, all I want to do, this is it, I just want to know who I prayed with today. Who would say, I gave my life to Jesus right now. I prayed that prayer and I gave him my life. Would you just just slip your hand up so I can see it today and go right here. I prayed that prayer of salvation today. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. Amen. 